and during some of the toughest times, I have a little piece of paper in my wallet that I keep all the time, even to this moment, uh, of different things that I that mean to me, different sayings that mean a lot to me, uh, things that I strive for, recognizing my responsibility to give back. Reoccurring mantra I got into in college where I would just say, I'm going to break the mold. Two days after my second injury, my dad flew out to Indiana and we drove home. Went right up to my room, slept for a day, and then I woke up the next morning, I spray painted my wall. No quitting me. I remember, you know, there is no quitting me and I won't, you know, I won't give up. The number one thing you gotta remember is your transferring energy. And whatever energy you got is the energy the viewers are gonna have. You are listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson, where we talk with experts of craft about their journey and what they have intentionally done to be their best self. As we talk with them, the hope is that we uncover intentional gems that you can use in your life. Now, let's kick it over to Brian to introduce this week's guest. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Intentional Performers Podcast. I am Brian Levinson. Excited to have you with us for another great episode today. A lot going on here in 2021 with the podcast, uh, with my business and my company as well. If you are familiar with the podcast, you also know that I wrote a book in October. It's called Shift Your Mind. If you enjoy this conversation or you enjoy the podcast, we actually talk about the concepts of the book in this conversation. So if you are interested at all in mindset, And this concept that we've created called Shift Your Mind, which talks about your mindset for preparation being different than your mindset for performance, we would love it if you went over to Amazon or wherever books are sold in your area and purchased a copy. It really does mean a ton to me. And I think and I know that the book will be helpful for you for your preparation mind and your performance mind. And it's been amazing to get feedback from a lot of the listeners on this podcast who have enjoyed the book and people outside of the podcast as well. Also, we recorded an audio version that you can pick up on Audible. So if you enjoy listening through your ears and listening to content in your headphones, uh, we recommend checking out the audio book as well. Thank you to all of you for your continued support with the book and with this podcast. If you enjoy either of them, if you enjoy the book, an Amazon review goes a long way. Hopefully you enjoy it enough to give it five stars and same thing with the podcast. So you can go over to iTunes and write us a review and hopefully give us five stars there as well. So thanks again for all of the continued support. Now to today's guest. Haley Skarupa first caught my attention when she was a member of the 2018 United States Women's Olympic ice hockey team who took home the gold and it was a dramatic experience. And as I started to learn more about the team, I started hearing about a local ice hockey player I'm based in the Washington DC area named Haley. And I work with hockey teams and at hockey camps and they would tell me, hey, Brian, you should really chat with Haley. So I was actually talking to my wife's cousin and he played hockey in this area. And he said, yeah, I know Haley, I can connect to you. So here we are. And I'm excited to have her on the podcast. She also is a three-time world champion and a Four Nations Cup gold medalist for Team USA. She graduated from Boston College in 2016, where she majored in psychology. So I think she enjoyed this conversation, hopefully as much 
as I did and as you will as well. Uh, and while she was at Boston College, she was named an All-American Collegiate Athlete and is currently the second highest points leader in Boston College hockey history. That's both men and women with 115 goals and 244 total points in her four years while at Boston College. We didn't even really get into her Boston College career that much in this conversation, but it was a prolific career. And out of college, she was drafted fifth overall into the National Women's Hockey League and was a unanimous all-star selection her rookie season for the Connecticut Whale. What a cool name if you follow hockey. She's originally from Rockville, Maryland, which is right around where I grew up. We actually went to rival high schools, which we didn't get into in this conversation, but I'm sure we will in the future. As she graduated from Wooten High School, I went to a school called Churchill, and she graduated a little bit after me, about 10 years after I graduated. Uh, Most recently, she joined the Washington Capitals organization as their hockey ambassador, and she's brought her background and experience to help promote the growth of the game in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. And we're going to talk a bit about the growth of hockey in the D.C. area, specifically women's and girls hockey and how she has watched that emerge and and some of the complexities that came up with her upbringing, playing on boys teams and playing on, on girls teams. She's going to talk about her mindset and things that helped her along the way as she learned the psychology of sport and hockey and what she needed to do to grow and develop and change and evolve. And this is just a great conversation with somebody who has played her sport at the highest level and has amazing perspective on her sport. So without further ado, I'm so excited to present to you Haley Skarupa. Haley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Excited to chat with you today. I've heard about you from a lot of different people in the Washington, D.C. area. I've done some work in the hockey world and, you know, we'll often ask those people, hey, who should I talk to? And your name comes up quite a bit. So I'm really excited to chat with you and obviously first heard about your story with the Olympics, which I'm sure we're going to get to. Um, but we need to always shout out to Matt Mitchell, who, um, you know, I think from your brother and who I sort of married into Matt. So my wife is first cousins with, with Matt. So thanks to Matt for connecting us and, uh, really excited to, to chat and learn more about you. So growing up with the mats of the world in, uh, Rockville, Potomac, Maryland, I'm assuming where you grew up, um, what was life like for you as a kid? And just paint that picture for us a little bit. Yeah. Well, first, Brian, thanks for having me on. And yeah, shout out to Matt for making this connection. Um, yeah, it did all start in Rockville, Potomac, Maryland. I mean, not necessarily a, a hotbed for hockey at the time. So my older brother, who's around Matt's age, actually, um, just wanted to play street hockey, roller hockey with his friends. That's kind of how I got into the sport. I wanted to do everything he did. I played every single sport like known to man. Um, but hockey just stuck out to me always from the very beginning because it was fast. It was dynamic, very physical and just super competitive. And it was a way for me to, you know, be able to hang out with my brother and his friends. And as long as I could keep up, I could keep playing. So that's kind of how I always just started this like internal drive to always continue to get better. Because if I didn't, then I knew I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't be allowed to play out on a on the driveway with them. So, uh, and then when he moved to ice hockey, that's kind of how I transitioned. So it was the first several years I was, you know, the only girl on the team, the only girl playing with the boys. And I didn't really ever think anything of it. Um, I kind of liked it. It was really, really always competitive, really fun. Um, obviously it had its challenges. So 
once I did move over to like the girls hockey space, it was socially just like a ton of fun. Um, but I knew like always growing up playing with the boys on the driveway and on the ice that always um, really set me up for success early on. What's the age difference between you and your brother? Uh, we are two or three years apart. Um, three, three years apart. And so when you started playing hockey, he wasn't on the ice hockey team with you because he was older, I'm assuming. And, and so you never felt like an other or different when you're playing with boys, you just sort of felt like you were part of the team and were never treated differently. Um, yeah, like for the most part, I mean, you know, they're the, usually have two ends of the spectrum with boys hockey. It's the ones who are, you know, they really respect you and they, you know, bring you in and help you. And then they're the one that you're friends with. And then they're the ones who, you know, they're not going to get beat by the girl and it's really like they make it tough, but I always kind of bought into that challenge because I wanted to prove myself that I was not only just as good as them, but better. And that was just always my mindset. And the more I like kind of bought into that, the more success I found. And then I started to, you know, get their respect. And it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely a learning curve for sure. But yeah, I was not on the same ice hockey team as my brother, like growing up, it was just a bunch of, a bunch of guys I didn't know, which looking back on it, I was, I always think about it. Like I was, you know, that's kind of like a brave move for a girl who just doesn't know anyone, all these boys playing hockey, but I just love the sport so much that I didn't even care at all. Where where do you think that, that courage came from or the willingness to be brave and and just do it? It, Talk to me maybe about your parents or your environment or anyone that might've influenced you to, to go for that. Yeah, well, I definitely think it started with, you know, my older brother, like him and his friends never made it easy on me, not on purpose. That's just how they were. Um, And so that definitely set the stage. I was like, if I can, if I can hang with these guys, like, no, like I can kind of make it through anything here. But obviously, like my parents, like the support I got from them was, I mean, they, they didn't even know, like, really what hockey was. They never really played like sports at a high level growing up. So everything was kind of foreign to them. And at first, you know, my mom was a little hesitant because she's like, you know, I have my son who plays hockey. Like, I don't even know any girls who play hockey at all. So, but once she saw like how much, like I loved it and like the passion around the sport, she's like, I honestly couldn't say no. And we always like laugh about it looking back, like, thank goodness, like you allowed me to like play instructional hockey when I was seven years old, like, cause look how far we've come. But, um, yeah, like my mom and dad, like I would not have, you know, the confidence or anything to be able to like continue without their support. And just they they're like, if this is what you want to do, this is your passion, like put everything into it. It's interesting because my best friend growing up who lived a few houses down from me, uh, won all met player of the year as a junior for hockey. Um, played in Montgomery hockey, which you're familiar with. And uh, for those that are listening outside the Washington DC area, uh, all met player of the year is like the best player in the, in the DC region. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And he won it his junior year and he went to public school and the, the schools changed over the years, but back then the private schools were really the ice hockey. If you played ice hockey, you would probably be at a private school or you'd go away and um, so he helped our public school Churchill, which we can get into the high schools that we went to, which are, which are rivals. Um, he helped them go really far and, and, and got the accolades. The reason I bring up his name's Matt Weber. The reason I bring up Matt is because growing up, we played every sport 
um, just like it sounds like you and your brother, just outside playing street hockey, roller hockey, basketball, baseball, football, whatever. We were just active and playing in the front yard and the driveway. And uh, I was fortunate to be brought up in a neighborhood with a lot of kids. And I, uh, I, Matt was playing from a very young age and I would go to his games. And so I say to my parents, like, I want to play ice hockey. And they say, no. And <laughs> the reason they said no was because I'm one of three boys. And um, as you are well aware of growing up in the DC area, if you want to play ice hockey, um, A, it's a big time commitment. B, it's a financial commitment. Uh, and, and C, there, there's often travel involved with it. And so I'm curious if you can go to that back to that time where it would have been easier for your parents to just say no, right? It would have been easy for them, not even about your gender, just to say like, we've already got one kid doing this. We're not interested in another one. Um, right. As you go back to that, th those, those moments, was there ever a time where it was like, Hey, you know what, Haley, why don't you stick to soccer? Or why don't you stick to softball? Or, or why don't you go play lacrosse or whatever the, those other sports are? Did you ever have those conversations as a family? Um, so yeah, it's interesting you say that because it really started off as like, I started just ice hockey, like instructional, like very, very bare bones. And then it was like instructional scrimmage. And then I was like, all right, now we're going to play on your first, it's not even really a travel team. Cause you're just going around like Maryland and Virginia and whatnot. Um, like mites, like, so I played for Montgomery mites and then squirts. It's just like one thing kind of led to another and it wasn't like it at no point where we like oh I'm going to commit myself to play college hockey or like this is my full-time commitment it was just like okay well now we're going to go to the next thing because I just I that was like my priority was just playing hockey I just loved doing it compared to all the other sports I, I really did like playing other sports but that was always it was very evident that that was kind of just a side thing. And all of my other time outside of school and my social life was practicing hockey in the garage, in the basement, what have you. So it was, it wasn't like at a very young age, people ask me this question all the time. Like, do you, did you want to go to the Olympics? Like right when you started playing hockey or like, what was the age that you wanted to go to the Olympics? And it was never for me. It wasn't until like, you know, eighth or ninth grade when I realized like that was like an opportunity and that I didn't even know like women's hockey was in the Olympics till I was in middle school or something. So it was not like, okay, let's see what is the priority here in other sports. It was just like, Oh, well, she, you know, really loves playing hockey. So we're just going to continue on to, you know, squirts and then U 12s. And, and then around then is when it kind of started to get more serious with the travel. And at that point I was taking a much stronger interest in it than my brother. Like he was, he still liked it, but it was more of a, a social thing as opposed to long-term goals and whatnot. So like, as his interest was kind of plateauing, mine was really ramping up. So my parents were like, Oh, well, I mean, you need to choose if this is going to be your one priority, just hockey or what other sports you want to do around that. And it got to a point where I just I think it was ninth grade. I didn't have time to play any other sports, even recreationally. So that's really where I shifted. But at no point were, was it like you need to choose one sport or the others is hockey worth it? Because it was always, I would give up every other sport and any, any other hobby to continue playing hockey when I was younger. That was always my number one.
So it was clear that your parents were just into nurturing your nature or your desire to play. And they were just like, all right, we're just going to let you play. And then it was just organic. All right, you're at this level. Now you go to this level. The one part that's not organic as it relates to hockey compared to those other sports is that gender dynamic that you reference. Because if you grew up playing softball, baseball, there are, there are girls that will play baseball. Um, but most of those, I did that for a couple of years. There you go. Right. So, so there is some baseball there is, but, but there's also softball availability. Maybe there's some in football where girls will play some football. Um, but in hockey and I saw this, I played roller hockey and, and I even saw it. There were some girls in our league and, and you would see it. Um, but for you, I'm really curious and look, it's not apples to apples because you were playing with the boys and then you got older. And it sounds like that's when there became some opportunities to play with the girls. But I'm curious for you what the difference was from a gender standpoint, if there was anything playing on a boys team as the only girl or being one of all girls and playing on an all girls team. Is there anything that you look back on and reflect on that might've been different amongst those teams? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the team dynamic, it's, it's totally different. Um, I mean, I'm still really good friends with a lot of the guys that I played with when I was really younger and I loved playing with guys and boys growing up so much that even when I changed to girls hockey over the off season, the spring and the summer, I would always skate and train with guys. Um, a lot of the same ones that I grew up playing with. It's, it was a lot of like kids who were either committed to division one schools, junior guys, like soon to be whatever professional, like from, I would say like eighth grade through college through, it was usually the same group of guys. Like we grew up like training in the um, off season together because I knew that was a huge difference maker for me just on the ice and off the ice. You're just continuously being pushed physically and also mentally. Um, And, you know, the, I guess, team dynamic of it, like I really like know those guys really well because I started playing hockey with a lot of them when I was younger. So it was, it was different for me, but there were definitely some challenges because, you know, I always go back to, I always hated on the ice when I was with all the guys, it was like, find a partner, like for a warm up drill or whatever it is, like everyone go find a partner. I would always dread that in like the boys hockey scene because I know like not many guys are going to want to be my partner. And it's usually like, if there's an odd number, I have to like go in a group of three or kind of just figure something out on my own, like little things like that are what I remember. Um, Or if I had to, you know, get dressed in my own locker room or in a, the Zamboni room, because, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm, you know, 15, 16 years old, I'm not going to get dressed in the same locker room as the guys and just making sure that, you know, it's the, practice still starts at 6 p.m. and then I'm on time and that it the rink switches like and I'm the only one in the locker room I have to figure that out on my own so it was a little just like little things like that but overall the team dynamic it was it was pretty similar um I would say however girls hockey there's just this you know camaraderie of you, you just all I'm like best friends with all the girls I like played with on U14 U12 still now um and it's just because all of those little moments in the locker room when you're traveling it's it's different in that sense socially like girls hockey was I just loved it awesome but boys hockey there's just there's if I didn't have boys hockey and I didn't play with the guys or train with them I would not have been nearly to the degree of player or person overall in general because it builds this type of confidence that you just can't like get anywhere else I'm fascinated by this on so many levels because I'm sure part of your mission is to grow the girls 
game and girl hockey in general, especially with girls. And in Washington, D.C., it's been an interesting few years with the Caps winning and with Ovechkin for the last 15, 20 years, however long it's been. And uh, like hockey has grown tremendously in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and, and, and so we're going to talk more about that as we go, but there's something here that I want to pull on, which is, it sounds like you're grateful in a way that you grew up playing with the boys because it challenged you and they didn't cut you any slack and probably helped you develop. And I worked with a college runner who she was the top runner at her school and she would train with the boys to push her and challenge her. And but she was on the, the women's team. And so there's, there's something fascinating there where, it, you know, you learn how to be challenged. You learn how to compete. You learn probably what it was like to not be the best person on the ice. And then you go to play with girls. And I would imagine there, maybe you're the best person on the team would be my guess. Um, and you're, you're maybe a different dynamic. Can you just pull on that thread a little bit more? Yeah, no, definitely. So to that, Yes. When I was playing, when I was first selected for like the U18 national team, then U22 and Team USA, playing with guys was the best thing for me because the level of physicality and speed with Team USA, the only thing you can really replicate with that besides, you know, high end division one college hockey is playing with, you know, junior guys and being like the speed is just is very similar there. Um, but it is a very interesting dynamic. So many parents and kids ask me like, what age did you switch over to playing girls hockey or should she play boys hockey or girls hockey? And it's, I'm a huge advocate for girls hockey. And a lot of my team USA teammates only played girls hockey a lot, only played boys. And then there's a really good amount of us who played both. And so it really depends on the player and the person because just playing boys hockey isn't for everyone just playing girls hockey isn't for everyone. I don't want to take away, you know, all these opportunities of these all girls teams that are now in the DC area. I don't want to be like, Oh no, go play boys. It really depends on what you enjoy and what you like. Cause boys hockey is not for all girls. They don't want to be the only girl on the team. I totally get that. And you're, you're going to play better if you're happier and more confident with a girls team. It's just, there are so many different levels to it. Um, it is well, very interesting. And I don't think it has to be, an or situation, right? You could exactly train with the guys and play with the girls. And like, I think about this camp that I would, I would go speak at dedicated hockey. I'm sure you've heard of those guys. Yep. And, and so I'd go there and give talks to their, their kids and walk them through some sports psychology stuff. And um, you know, there's no reason there couldn't be girls there in the summer with those right. guys, but then play with the girls. So I, I think it, it, it certainly can be. And I love what you said is each person's different. I'm going to put you in a little bit of a loaded question here, but I'm curious okay. about this. It is an or question. Growing up, would you rather have standed out or fit in? Uh, I always, I, I mean, in a hockey wise or like socially. Let's go hockey. Would you rather, yeah, have stood hockey out? Hockey wise, or, or definitely I'd want to stand out for sure. Um, in like social settings, I'm not, I don't want to be, I'm not someone who wants to be the center of attention, but in hockey, I always, you know, I wanted to score, you know, the most goals. I wanted to be the best player on the ice at all times, not for, you know, the attention aspect, just cause I was way too competitive, like for my own good, especially growing up that I always wanted to stand out as being the best player. Yeah. That 
and it's also your position that you play too, right? You're, you're a goal scorer. Um, and so wanting to stand out, you know, probably growing up watching Ovechkin who has no issue, I think standing out. <laughs> um, and, and, but it's in a ecosystem, which hockey is, I interviewed the first pick of the NHL draft a few years ago. And I was fascinated by him because it was very clear that he wanted to be part of a team and fit in. And there is something different about hockey guys than I have interviewed a lot of NBA first picks and people there where there is something team. I mean, there's four, right. There's four lines. You're shifting. You can't stay on the ice for more than 60 seconds, maybe 90 if you're Ovechkin. Um, But this dynamic of standing out and fitting in in hockey is interesting. And the reason I was curious about it for you specifically is like playing with girls standing out. What does that look like playing with the guys trying to fit in? What does that look like? And I'm just curious about the psychology about, do you toggle between times where you have to stand out times where you have to fit in playing on the Olympic team? Are there times where you have to figure out how to fit in rather than stand out as you get to another level? So I don't know if you have any more thoughts on, on that dynamic. Yeah, no, it's, that's actually a great point, especially when I think about it, when I was playing with guys like on the ice, I wanted to fit in, in the sense that I just wanted them to, you know, think that I was just, you know, one of the guys, like not treat me like I was a girl basically, but I wanted to stand out and be like, Oh wow. Like she's, she's a girl and look how much better she is at this than blah, blah, blah sort of thing. Um, so, but when, once we were like off the ice and we were in, you know, training or whatever it is, all I wanted to do is just fit in. I just wanted to, you know, blend in with the guys, like hang out, like don't, you know, call any extra, attention to the fact that I'm the only girl out of these 40, 50 guys, whatever it was, um, like with the Olympic team. Yeah. It's, uh, the team like dynamic and camaraderie of it. Like no one, um, obviously, you know, you have your best players and whatever it is, but no one really stands out like at that level as it's just like, we are one team. Like that's our, like, that has always been our motto is like, we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And it's like, while everyone, yes, like you want to stand out, I guess, like people don't really, I mean, innately, you kind of just, you know, you want to be your best self, you want to be the best player um, that you can be. But as a team, like, it was all just like, we were all like, you have to be able to kind of all fit in together to like have this puzzle be like the most successful that we can be. So that was always something. And we always when we were at the Olympics, and we saw these individuals, like the skiers and the individual sports, we were, we're, thank goodness that we have like each other, like we could not even imagine being there. And it's like, obviously all the attention is on you. All they do is stand out because it's just an individual sport. And that's when it really set in with me, like, thank goodness that I am like a part of this, this team here. Cause I could not do that. <laughs> well, I'll give you an interesting, interesting idea to chew on here, which is golf. Um, I, First of all, golf became an Olympic sport recently, and it was really interesting to hear the golfers that participated in it and how much they loved being part of the team and representing something bigger than themselves because pro golf is all about individuals except for the Ryder Cup. And if you follow golfers, their favorite tournament is the Ryder Cup. And so I think (laughs) there's something human that we desire to be part of a group and to be part of a tribe and be part of something bigger than ourselves, And we want to be valued. And I think those two things you can you can see because I, I'll tell you a lot of golfers will tell me, Brian, I love playing golf because I don't have to rely on anybody else. 
Like I get to control my own fate and my own destiny. I don't need someone to pass me the puck. Um, I don't need a goalie to stop a shot. Like I just hit the ball. And if I play poorly, it's on me. And if I play well, um, you know, that's on me as well. And, and so right. I, I love talking to people in, in both because I think all of us actually, that's why it's a loaded question, want to fit in and we want to stand out. And I think that that's a, a very human experience. And um, I would imagine at the Olympics, you have that on steroids to your point, because um, for you all, it's different because it is the pinnacle. Um, whereas maybe for the NHL guys, it's a little bit different, but for you, like, this is what you are watching and this is what the world is watching as it relates to hockey. Um, I'd love for you to go into a little more detail as far as what made that experience special. And look, we have plenty to talk about. We've got some time. We're going to talk about Boston college. We're going to talk about, um, what you're up to now as well, but, um, let's go, let's go to that experience. What made that experience special for you uh, playing for your country at the Olympic level? And I know you also played for it in the world championships as well, but um, let's, let's start with the Olympics and, and perhaps we'll, we'll continue to peel back the onion a little bit here. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it's just to start, you know, a dream come true. This is something you, you prepare for your whole life, but you really, I mean, personally, I didn't really ever think, I would get there just when I was younger, you know, it's something you dream about, but I'm someone who it's just, I like to take things one step at a time. Like these are my goals. Like these are the steps I have to get here tomorrow, the next day. I don't think like, Oh, if I do this, then I'll be at the Olympics sort of thing. Um, so Haley, just back at ninth grade, you said is when you started to think about where you might go. And, and is that where you started to become aware of, Oh, I could play at college. And there are these schools that have, women's hockey is that where the future focus started to come yeah so like seventh grade is like I think where I really became aware of like college hockey and this is a, a real possibility eighth grade is when um like I went to my first like U.S. national camp where it's like all the different players from different regions a bunch of players from different age groups that was like ninth grade so I was like 15 is when I was first selected for the U18 national team after that national camp um so that's when I kind of got that first exposure to the Olympians, to the national team. And I was, you know, 15 years old and I realized, oh my gosh, I have so much work to do. Like I felt so overwhelmed, like way in over my head. I was like, I should not be here. Like I'm the smallest person. They, one of the youngest, um, it was pretty scary, but after right, I got can, through. All right, so I'm sorry. And I know we're no, jumping around, but my curiosity peaks right here. So I'm assuming at that point you're the best you know, girls hockey player in the DC area under 18. Is that, is that fair to say you don't have to be? Um, with us. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I went right from like U14 to U19. I skipped the U16 level. Um, so that first year of high school was pretty like overwhelming. Cause I was 14, 15 playing against 19 year old, like high end girls. Um, but I would say after that year, I really like adjusted quickly. And then it prepared me going into this national camp just because of the age of girls I was playing against. Right. So you're going up against people from Michigan or from, I would assume the hotbed States, Massachusetts, yep. maybe some in New York, Canada, uh, everything. Oh, so you're, so I'm sorry, but the national, the under 18, that was American, correct? Oh, you're saying for the national like yeah. camp. Yeah. Oh, that's when you yes. went in there and you're like, Whoa, cause you're now playing against people that, are in these hotbeds where there are, there is maybe 
girls hockey. And so oh, you're, yeah. I, I'm trying to pull on this idea that you're probably one of the best in the DC area, but now you're going national and that's where there's this wake up call or whatever, like, Oh, I got a lot of work to do. Yeah, exactly. So how it works with those like initial national camps, it's based on like, so Minnesota gets to send say 50, 15 year olds, uh, Massachusetts sends 30, 45 from the Southeast district, which is from Florida to Maryland and every state in between we send, we sent one forward and one D that's what we <laughs> sent. So for like each age group. So, um, it was obviously, I mean, there was a, some really good players in the Southeast district and you can get at large bids, but I was usually the one forward representing our whole district. Um, so yeah, you get to go to like these camps and there are all these Minnesota players and, and they just grew up playing hockey and they, that's all they do. And I didn't even know anyone cause I've, you know, been playing in Maryland for the Montgomery Blue Devils or Washington pride. And my first exposure was like, you know, it did, it kind of hit me and I was like, wow, this is, this is pretty insane. But, um, it was just like, you know, quickly learning and adjusting. And this is something that I, you know, I spent all this time doing that I can, I knew I had the tools to do it. And that was a really great learning experience. And I'm, it was challenging, but it was like stepping out of, like, that's what I always kind of think back to is like stepping out of my comfort zone. Like if I didn't go to those camps, if I didn't do all those hard things, like I wouldn't know what it would take to get to that next level. And that's constantly what it was. It was like, after the national camp, then it was the U18 festival. And that was really, really hard compared to the national camp. Um, but it was like, all right, well, I've done the national camp. I know what it takes to be outside my comfort zone. And, and then it was always like the next thing and the next thing. So it was, I like, I'm always harp on like just doing things that are really, really scary and really hard because that's the only way you're going to grow from it. All right. So we have growing and learning and developing. We use discomfort there, step into the discomfort take me back to that Olympic team though. And now you're competing on the world stage with the team. Like, do you get to this place in your head that it, it's not about growing and learning right now? It's about executing and it's about, yeah. I belong here and I've got a role to do. And I'd love to know how you shift your mind from grow, 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 learn, develop uncomfortable to they're playing the <laughs> national anthem. I've got a job to do. Let's step into my skates, into my gloves, into my helmet and, and be where I need to be right here. And now I'd love yeah. how you shift and how you think about that mentally. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously by the time, you know, we're at the Olympics, everything hockey wise and physically is just second nature. Like that's what we've practiced everything done, like skills, like your skills, like the, it is what it is. Like you've made it to this level and that's like, that's not going to change much. Like you're already there the biggest thing for us and like what you were saying is, is mentally, like it's all mental really by the time you get to the Olympics. Cause it's like, you know what it like, you know how good your team is and your abilities, but it's, what is the, what are those small difference makers mentally that you guys together as a group, but also individually is going to set yourself apart. And it's like, you know, kind of just remembering that, yes, this is like, you are at the Olympics. This is the top like level of what you're going to do, but it's what you've been doing your whole life. You know what I mean? So it's, it is, it's just another hockey game. Like that's how I had to kind of think of it. And it was easy. It was like easier for me to just think of it that way than, Oh, like this has to be the best game of my life because I'm playing on the Olympic stage. I think it's like, 
and we were all so comfortable with each other. Like we're pretty much, you know, a family. It's like, we've gone through so much for so long together. Like we're here, like, yes, this is the Olympics, but let's just, you know, this is just another tournament that we're playing in right now. And I think that is, that was a shift like for us that was really important is just like, you know, bringing it back to earth. Like, yeah, we're here, like walking in the opening ceremonies was one of the coolest things ever, but now we're, you know, stepping onto this Olympic ice and it's just like any other ice sheet we've ever played on. So I, I just wrote a book. It came out and the, the book is called shift your mind. And it's basically how your mindset for preparation should actually be different than your mindset for performance. And one of the ones we focus on is uncomfortable in preparation and comfortable in performance, selfish yep. in preparation, selfless in performance, fear in preparation, fearless in performance, humble in preparation. And I even use the word arrogant in performance. Cause I think it's one step up over confidence is let's call it the Alex Ovechkin swagger, <laughs> like, like having that arrogance or work in preparation and then play in performance, focusing on the future in preparation and the present in performance. So, um, you know, I, I like I, that. Yeah. As I'm hearing you talk, I hear that, like we, we need to be uncomfortable, but now it's, Hey, we need to be comfortable. We need to know that we put the work in and that we belong. In. And the other big thing that you hit on is perspective. And I think for a lot of elite performers, it's taking your work seriously and acting as if that is life and death and then letting go of that and having the perspective that this is a game. We play hockey. We play the violin. If you're in on Broadway, you play, you're in a play. Um, and I think too often you see teams, um, especially in the Olympics, like, man, I love watching the, the Chinese or the Russian gymnastics who like, or the figure skaters who they technically, oh, yeah. they have everything technically they need. And then they're like these stress balls out there and they often don't perform to the level. Like the American gymnasts are fascinating to me to watch because they train, 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 but then they have this swagger. They have this playfulness and it's hard to, it's hard to work your way through a performance. It's very, it's, it's, it's not a good way to go. Yeah, no. And it is, uh, it is funny you say that because where we were training for the Olympics in Tampa, Florida, there were, um, two figure skaters. Uh, they were a pair from France, but they were also training in the same rink we were. And they would always have their session like hours before we would come to practice, but we would go to the rink and they were still going every single day for two hours, at least like for the time that we were warming up and working out there, they would practice their routine to the same exact song just over and over and over again. It was sound of silence. I'll literally never forget it because we heard it so many times and it was the same performance over. That's all I did. And we were always thinking like, this is in, like, we have, you know, the power play, the penalty kills, scrimmaging, like all these different drills and, and people like hockey players sometimes get sick of going to the rink for practice when that was a huge perspective thing for me. It's like, oh, I'm so excited to be here because I'm not doing the same exact routine over and over again for hours. And then you think like, people think, well, how can they mess that up at the Olympics? All they do is the same routine over and over again. But imagine doing that. Now you're bringing it to the Olympic state, like how much you're thinking about that. And it's just two of you. Um, so that actually helped me just like, and I think it helped all of us because we would always just watch and we were good friends with them too. Like they were great. And you could tell after the Olympic, I think they got a bronze actually, they won a bronze for it, um, that they just completely let loose after. Cause I mean, they have to be so regimented. It was, it was pretty insane to just watch their routine, like compared to ours, 
uh, it looked like we were just, you know, at six flags compared to them, like going to the rink. But um, it's, yeah, like, that's exactly what you were talking about, like with the whole preparation and, um, and all of that. It was, it's just different sports, different dynamic, um, but it was, but similar in the same way. Well, there's a technical side that you can get better at. You can work on your skills. So stick handling over and over again, get that stick handling as tight as possible that, you know, you want to have it close ended and, and just make sure you can master your hands or shooting and get, you know, get that right. Or ice, you know, getting faster and skating. So there are elements that you want to drill and drill and drill and drill. And then there's the creativity that comes with playing and learning how to do something when you're just in a tight spot and finding a way to make that happen. And so for me, at least a great practice for most sports is the preparation mind and the performance mind. So we drill and we go live because the creativity and the, the artistry that needs to happen to go live, you want to also work that performance mind yeah. so that when you're in the, in the game, you know, playing against Canada or whoever you're playing against, yeah, we know how to do this. We've already worked that mind. And I think sometimes for those sports that are just drill heavy, they never simulate the environment or the experience to bring out this other, other genius in them and actually practice what it's like to perform. Um, they're just practicing to master uh, a technique. So I think it's, it's actually both that you need. Um, speaking of the Olympics, when I was doing my research on you, I heard a podcast that you were on and it must've been 2017. And the podcast host was saying to you, what does it feel like to get cut? from the team. Oh yeah. And you, it was actually like great content because I could tell you were pissed and you were not happy about it and you were frustrated <laughs> about it and you're laughing, but I even see like the, the, the part of you right now that's like, yeah, that was tough. Um, yeah. So take me back there because look, you have this incredible career at Boston college. I think you and your teammate just rack up a zillion goals. I mean, your, <laughs> your, your statistics are nuts. You all win. You, you win. Like you, it sounds like you have this incredible college experience at Boston college. Um, but what was it like to get cut? Um, and, and, you know, I, I would love to learn a little bit more about how you handled that and what that experience. Yeah, was. no, definitely. I could get into that. Um, so I was first, I was first cut from the 2014 Olympic team when I was, a, it was right after my freshman year at Boston college. Um, it's how they do it is they bring like the top 40 players to a selection camp the year before the Olympics, narrow it down halfway. And then the team moves to in 2014, it was Boston and you're centralized. They call it for that whole year. You play together, train together. That's all you do living in like one area for the 2018 Olympics, it was uh, Tampa, Florida. So I was originally cut like in 2014 and, and I was younger. I had my whole college career ahead of me. Obviously I was upset, but I was like, all right, this is a huge learning experience. I know what I need to do to get better. These are the things I'm young. What, I, what were the things that you needed to learn and what did you grow from that? Yeah. It's just for me as first as a player it's more just being a more complete player I'm a very have always been offensive-minded player that's always my priority scoring goals it always has been when I was growing up you know I always had the puck um, and it was learning to be valuable away from the puck as well and I was still learning that my first year at BC going into it like offensively I was I was good I was I was not you know Olympic level but I was on really on the right track defensively 
and away from the puck, I, there were so many things that I could work on like across the board. Um, and then it's just, you know, mentally too. just, you have to just, I was always, it was kind of like a roller coaster for me when I was, you know, younger and my first, you know, high school and first year of college. It's like when it's going good, it's going great. When it's, you know, not going so good, it's like, that's, I needed to be better there. I let little things that were out of my control, just like kind of ruin a game or a practice, whatever. I was one of those players for quite a bit. Um, but after that, like I, and throughout BC, like I really worked on that and I got much better at that. I was, became a much better teammate because I was super competitive, didn't always channel it in the right ways. And so that was something I really focused on too. Um, any sport, and, any, any sports psychology? Um, I know Boston university has a big sports psychology department. I, I know mentioning Boston university to someone who went to Boston colleges. Um, <laughs> no, dangerous, I actually, but, yeah. um, uh, Dr. Adam Naylor, he was at BU. Um, I actually, I know him pretty well. And there are a couple other, just like people who worked with our team or with like different athletes from the BC, like athletics and team USA too. We had our own sports, um, psychologist and yeah, just learning about that side of it. You know, when you're younger and you're first being introduced to that, you're like, Oh, like, what is this? Like, and you don't really buy into it. And it, when I really learned about the value of it and how much it really was changing me as a player and a person, like it's night and day. That's really all it is. It's like, obviously you have to practice on the ice and do all these things, but that is truly the difference maker. Um, And so I really committed to that throughout BC. And obviously we had a really, really good team and it was an amazing experience. I, you know, grew as a player so much playing with, um, Alex Carpenter, she's like one of the best players in the world. And I was fortunate that I got to play like four years, well, three, cause she left for the 2014 Olympics, our sophomore year. Um, but I got to play with her for four years. Like she made me such a better player and our coaches were also Olympians. So that helped. Um, what, so what out ma- of what, what makes her great? Um, I mean, I don't know anyone really as, uh, like the balance of like, intense but like passionate over the sport like I don't really know anyone who like really embodies that like her and just how good she is really on the ice like she plays like you know like an NHL guy really like the way she skates like her shot and she's always like the very first one off the ice and is always that like you have to drag her off the ice after practice she's just always wants to be out on the ice and it, it shows like she's always it's not just being out there to you know mess around like there's always a purpose um and she really taught me a lot about just like the attention to detail just every single shift it's not like after a drill oh well you know we didn't score on that one it's like if we didn't score every single time like there was you know that why didn't we do that there was you know she was mad that we if we didn't score one you know shift in a drill or a practice um And at first, you know, that takes a while and I'm super competitive too, but I also am someone who likes, you know, have fun, keep it light. And so that was like, um, a huge learning experience for me, but in a great way, because at the level of team USA, that's how everyone is. Um, it's not just, Oh, you know, we're having fun and we're competitive. It's like every single thing has to be perfect. Um, but also finding a way to learn from your mistakes and try new things. Um, just finding that balance. So through BC, um, 
I was first selected for like the national team my junior year at BC and we won three world championships um, each year through I graduated 2016 and we won the 2017 world championship. So I played professionally one year after school just to train full time with the national team. There's like 10 of us in Boston. Um, and then the selection camp for the 2018 Olympics was May of 2017 in Tampa. And I'd been on the team the past three years. I mean, by no means did I think I was going to make the Olympic team. There's so many players and so many good college players who were coming up. And I knew that I, I knew after I graduated that I still, you know, like BC, I was, had a great career, but the next level, it's, it's just different. Like, yeah, I scored goals in college. I was really offensive, but it's a whole different ball game with team USA. And it's like, where do I fit in? Like, what's my role? Cause there's so many goal scorers. Like what else can I bring to the table? And mentally I was struggling with just my role on the team. And um, I think that kind of affected my performance and I was just not as confident trying to figure out what I could do on and off the ice to get better. And I don't think I was really hitting the right areas. So by the time that selection camp rolled around, like I wasn't fully, you know, confident in myself and it really did show honestly. Um, and that's no one else's fault, but mine. Um, and so I did not make like, they, you know, had the cuts, you have individual meetings. And I, they said like, you know, sorry, this isn't not this time. Um, and, you know, if we get alternates, it'll be college players because they're currently playing. So my like college career was over and now it seemed like my whole hockey career was over. So that was really devastating. I wouldn't say, oh, it completely shocked me. It didn't, which is unfortunate. Like I should have prepared better in my mind. Um, so I went home and to Maryland and kind of like regrouped, figured out what I wanted to do that whole spring and summer. I just took off. I you know, had like a part-time job, just trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, and then like that September, I got a phone call from the director of USA Hockey randomly out of the blue. And she's like, we have some injuries. Um, we need like someone to come in and like, you know, be just a really, like just to fill in, be, be there. Like, she's like, I know you haven't really been playing much. Um, this would be an unofficial tryout. It'd be a few weeks then you'd go back to at that, that time I was in Boston. She's like, then you'd be going back to Boston. There's no guarantees. Just, you know, we, we need you. We're not just going down the list. She's like, it's like a team cultural thing too. Um, and it's like, we just, we want you back here. Um, and that was, everyone's like, Oh, that's probably a super easy decision. Like obviously. Um, but for someone who I always want to be extremely prepared for things and, you know, very type A, want to make, you know, I'm skating every day, blah, blah, blah. Like I hadn't skated in like five months. So um, obviously I went, it was like the next day. I had like one day to decide. Um, I was there for two weeks. It was great. Felt like I never left. Um, obviously not, my performance wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't as bad as I expected. And then when I left to go back to Boston, they were like, all right, we could call you next week to come back. We could call you three weeks before we leave for the Olympics, we might not call you at all, but sign with the professional team and just stay ready is what they said, um, which was pretty crazy. Yeah. So like I went back and I mean, it was a roller coaster ride of just like mentally and emotions and everything. And like the, my teammates were obviously super supportive parents, everything, but I was like, I don't, I could be going to the Olympics. I might not be like, I, I did at that point. I didn't think I was, but I wanted to put my best foot forward. Hey, um, really? 
um, I'm curious because you said earlier that you didn't have necessarily on the tryout, the first tryout, clarity of what your role was and confidence in how you could impact the team. And it showed this time around, was there more clarity um, on your end as far as what you needed to do? You said it wasn't spectacular, but it sounds like you added value. And if you didn't, they probably wouldn't have said to you, Hey, stay ready. Was there anything that you did differently this time around or was the messaging from them different this time around? No, it was totally on me. I think I was like, Hey, you know, there's some, there's a reason why they're asking me back and not someone else. And I'm not even sure if it's totally related to on ice hockey performance. Um, I was, you know, someone who kind of in my mind tied like the veterans of the group to like the younger players. Um, that was kind of like my role into selection camp, the 2017 world championships in my mind. And so I was like, I think this is more of an off ice thing. Like there's a lot of value I can bring here to the team, not just on the ice. Like I'm going to try my best, whatever, but off the ice was really what my focus was just being like being the best teammate that I could be was what my focus was, which actually I think helped my performance because I wasn't as focused on all those little things on the ice. I just let go of like, I was like, I'm just going to play hockey to have fun now because it's like, I haven't played in five months. So it is what it is there. And I think overall that helped me hockey wise, just because I wasn't so overanalyzing and overthinking every detail on the ice. Cause I had other priorities in my mind. Um, Two things. One is like being a great teammate is a skill and it can be cultivated and pointed out. And, you know, there are things you can do that can help you be a great teammate. And I think it's underrated, you know, Kevin Garnett, who is an NBA future hall of famer and Boston where you are now. Um, he helped them win a championship. Yep. And he said like, I want to be the greatest teammate. Like that's my goal. And he was a superstar, but that was, you know, what made him special. I think that's what helped the Celtics win when he went there. Um, so that's one thing to point out. And two, it is a, it goes back to that perspective piece of really caring about how you do and understanding that it's just a game and having perspective <laughs> on that. And those are really important because if you over index on one of those, it can be problematic, right? If you don't care at all, you're not going to prepare. You're not going to be ready. Um, and if you make the games or the tryouts or any performance about life and death, like, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a, a tough, tough climb. And a tough yeah. It eats climb. away at you for sure. Yeah. And so yeah, that's what, like my dad said, when I went back, he's like, Hey, like you didn't even think you would be in this position. So you may as well just enjoy it at this point. Like enjoy being back with your teammates, being with your friends, like being on the team again. And I did like I went when I left when I got cut like that was one that whole year was just really stressful to me because it's like it all came to fruition at this one camp basically and you knew like this was the camp where you know it's all like culminating here and you're preparing for this one two weeks basically um, and I left just like you know stress just a mess really and then I came back and I just had this like fresh perspective of this is a brand new opportunity I mean yes it's like completely not how I drew it up. I'm so, you know, not in hockey, like the best hockey shape I can be, but it just showed that it didn't 
like that didn't really matter that much. Like, because mentally I was just so much like my mind, it was just, I was in a more fresh like space and I was like, all right, I'm ready to tackle this in a completely different way that I did before. Um, and I think that like made a difference to me. And I think maybe it like made an impact on how I was utilized on the team as well. Um, I mean, you know, I didn't get, you know, the most playing time, whatever it is. But like, at that point, I was like, I just want to be on this team. Like, I don't even care in what capacity I'll do whatever it takes just to be on this team. It's a big adjustment because for those that aren't familiar with hockey, there are sort of this, this idea that you have your top six forwards, um, offensive players, and those are really the people that you're looking to score goals. They're playing on the power play. And then you have, you know, a third line and a fourth line who might be more defensive and might do penalty kills. It's not always that clean, but it sounds like for your whole life, including at Boston college, your, your, your job was to score goals and to be a top six uh, forward. And perhaps they're asking you now to do some different, different things. So it would Definitely. make sense that it would be an adjustment from a hockey standpoint, but it's also an adjustment from a mental standpoint because it can create clutter for people. And it, it's, it's one of the reasons why sometimes you'll see, uh, and you see this in every sport to a certain extent, like the ability to change your role when you get to another level. It's why you see in basketball, sometimes an undrafted player who can play defense and can make open threes, do their job. And, and then the guy who is a top 10 pick, who's used to being a scorer, but he's not a good enough scorer at that next level struggle. Uh, and I think hockey's hockey's no different in that. Yeah. Point. Like a lot of the players on team USA, some of the best, like, I mean, I've been on really, really talented teams, but some of our best teams weren't the ones that were super successful. And some of the best players skill wise, you don't see them really at the Olympic level because they're always used to being, you know, the best player, like all of us, they're always been the best player and they can't handle, you know, not being that go-to player. Like it's kind of just letting go of your ego and just being, it's a, like, you know, it's a cultural thing and you, some of the best players just couldn't, could not get their head around that. And just it, you could tell it kind of just deteriorated. And so it's, I mean, it is always something that's been super important to me because I think te- I, in Maryland, I was, when we played all these really, really good teams, we were never, you know, the best team, if anything, like we were always on the lower end, but we always loved, like, we just loved the experience, we loved traveling. We loved going to all these games yeah, maybe we'd lose five, one, six, nothing, whatever it is. But like that, you know, we just loved the, our, our team. And that's what I look back on. Like, I don't really fully remember all of the scores, but I remember my, you know, the experience with my teammates and that's kind of what I wanted it to be with the Olympic team too. And I, I definitely think we, we did that. So take us to 2018, y'all win a gold medal. Um, what's that like? oh I mean it's so it's still so hard just to like explain it um just because I mean first of all went into a shootout which is just unheard of um and like my teammates who had to go in the shootout, I couldn't even imagine like that type of pressure especially um Amanda Kessel she she had to score or we would have we would have lost and I remember I was like on the bench and she was told she was going and she turned to our backup goalie who was on the bench. She's like, where should I, like, what should I do in the shootout? And the backup goalie is like, just like wait, delay, and then shoot it over her shoulder, um, which is actually exactly what she did. And it worked. But I remember the goalie turned to me right after and she was like, that was the most pressure I've ever been under in my entire career, <laughs> um, which is really funny. But 
it was, I think people always forget her shot because we, if she didn't score, we would have lost. And then um, obviously Jocelyn had that incredible goal in, over in, uh, in the shootout. And that's kind of like, and then our goalie saved that last shot. And then all of a sudden we, you know, just won the Olympics. Um, it kind of just hits you all. I don't even fully remember um, the whole like celebration on the ice. It was our, I remember our families came down. So my whole family was, was on the ice, which was really special. I mean, my brother, my parents, my grandma was there too, actually. And just to be able to share that like with them, because it's just as much theirs as it was mine, um, was really, really special. And like, you know, your teammates are, it's, it's just really hard to put into words of how, like what that, you know, meant is just so many years of like hard work and sacrifice and we had known each other for so so long and it had been 20 years since team usa had won an olympic gold medal so it was pretty incredible were you as you came back to the dc area were you expecting the reaction or the response that you received from uh, the community <laughs> not, not to the extent no like even when we came back to the u.s like the people in the airport, it was just, it was crazy. It was like, we were, it, we felt like the Beatles in a way. I mean, like they're just the way, like the whole airport there, everyone was just like cheering and everywhere we went. Um, and then when we came back to DC for like the clinic um, and it was the uh, stadium series, that was in like so many people um, that I knew that I didn't know were like, you know, so proud that, you know, a Maryland, someone from Maryland, um, you know, was on this team and just all like so many people came up to me or sent me um, like messages, cart, whatever it was. And I, I did not expect yeah that much support at all. It was really, really cool to see. And just all these little girls and kids who um, like are starting hockey or started hockey because of us is, uh, is like why we do it. You know, that was like the most important part for us is like, okay, how can we now share this experience with everyone and we wanted everyone to like hold the medal wear the medal whatever it is people are like you really want us to wear it or put it on it's like yeah yeah do whatever like you know like this is we're sharing this experience because we know how much you know the people who came before us did for us and so we want to do the same that's awesome so i've had on a bunch of women's soccer players um quite a few probably like four four or five um you're the first female hockey player I've had on. I've had one men's hockey player. Um, I believe there's probably some others that played hockey, but he's the only one that comes to mind in my mind. Women's soccer has been in the news a lot uh, fighting for equality and, and trying to get equal pay. And, um, you know, we certainly talk about that when, when I've had those people on the podcast. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts as a female and with, I think, uh, professional hockey started in 2015. And then uh, before we started recording, you said you're part of this players association league. Um, so I'd love to just get a sense from you as far as where you think it's going and your involvement and, and, and how you think about professional hockey for women. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely come a really long way. Um, I'm currently playing into the professional women's hockey players association league. Um, and that's just like different regions throughout North America. And we go to different showcases and the goal for us is just to have like a sustainable professional women's hockey league where 
women don't have to have a job, like a second job, like that can be their full-time job. That is the goal for us. You know, it's not like, oh, we want to make millions like the NHL players. Like, obviously that's not entirely realistic, but in order to be, you know, a professional elite athlete at the top level, you need to be able to focus, you know, all of your time on it and have the right resources, have the right facilities um, and have the time to do it. And that's kind of, our, you know, one step at a time here, but that is our goal is to have this league where all of the players like that is their full-time job. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be happen overnight. A lot of us players who are currently in this league won't, you know, see the fruits of our labor, if you will, but that's not why we're doing it. We're doing it, you know, for years to come. So that will be in place eventually. And I think the women's soccer has, really paved the way and shown us like an example of what it could be. I think they've done such an amazing job. And I mean, people love what I love watching them play. It's, it's incredible. And they deserve, you know, everything that they are fighting for. And that's kind of, we hope to kind of follow in their footsteps. And I think it's not going to happen overnight. And especially, you know, this past year has been, you know, not great with the whole development of that, but I think eventually we will start making strides towards, towards that. You mentioned love loving to watch the women's team play, and I agree with you. I think most of our society would agree with you. And I will tell <laughs> you, watching you all play um, in the Olympics was also spectacular. And um, you know, I, I think there needs to be more creative energy and resources going towards women's sports in general. And you know, I've got a daughter who. I don't know what she's going to do, um, but she puts her, her older brother in headlocks. I don't know if you did that to your older brother. Um, <laughs> I tried. Yeah. But, but at any rate, like we need to do better in promoting women's sports in this country and we need to lead the way because that's what we yeah. do in this country. And um, it's hard. It's a lot of people, you know, it's, it's hard to compare, you know, Oh, well, you're not as fast, not as strong. Like you're not as good as the men's sports. Like, yes. Like, Obviously, we're not, you know, as fast, strong. It's a different, it's kind of a different sport in a way, just the how, at least with hockey, I mean, it's just, it's different. It's more, you know, tactical, technical. There are different things um, that we um, stress on. Whenever, you know, we play with guys, they always say, oh my gosh, you guys move the puck so much better than us. It's like, well, we have to. We're not as fast. I can't just take five strides and be all the way down the ice. So, there are different things. Um, it's just a different dynamic. So we're not be saying, you know, we deserve equal cause we're not, you know, it's not the same, but it's different. And, um, and I think people need to start like opening their mind thinking that way, as opposed to, Oh, it's, it's slow. Like it's, and it's, it's, it'll come. I mean, I never understood that argument from, from people because do they, do you like watching high school sports? And then you watch pro sports. It's not the same game. And college is different than pro. Like I, I, the other night was watching a college basketball game and, you know, I can tell you it's very different than an NBA game, which is very different than a high school game. Right. Honestly, I can watch a 10 year old basketball game and they're different athletically. It's just, I guess the eye of the beholder, because for me, it's, there's so much appreciation for all of the elements that come with sports. Um, and to your point, it's just different. Like, how do we, how do we 
sort of emphasize sticking out a little bit, right? And, and understanding that yeah. that sticking out is is good. Um, and, and then appreciate the fitting in that goes into a team. So um, this has been a blast. I know you're up to some cool stuff now. So I just want to give you a megaphone to let everybody know, <laughs> A, where they can find you. I know you're active on, on Twitter. I don't know where else you are active on social media. If people want to learn more about what you're up to, uh, feel free to promote that and promote anything else that you think deserves promotion and a megaphone. So I just want to give you a platform to, to yeah. share your passion. Thanks. About. Yeah. I mean, I'm on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, um, I think at Scroops 28. Um, I think a huge thing for women's hockey is just learning more about the professional women's hockey players association. It is a mouthful. PWHPA is what it's called. Um, they're also on Twitter, Instagram, everything. And we've, grown quite a bit in like the few years I think this is year three maybe might be year two it's um and it's a common it's all you know the Canadian U.S. Olympian national team players really high-end um division one players who are now playing in this professional league and it's um it's really exciting to watch and obviously right now not a lot is occurring but I think that is if you're, you know, want to learn more about the women's hockey space outside of the national teams, like that's the place to look just because that's what's going to grow. That's what we want to continue to grow. Um, so that's always what we're kind of putting at the forefront here is, is the PWHPA and everything we're doing there. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm involved with the Washington Capitals, their youth uh, hockey development um, department. And we had a lot of really cool programs that were going on. We had a camp in August, a girls camp, which was really fun. It was on the Scarupa skills hockey camp. And we're kind of building a platform around that with different clinics and camps that me and some of my teammates will come in from either out of town, what have you. Um, so just stay tuned for those two. Once things start to, you know, become safer to participate in stuff like that. Um, and that's just, you know, with the Washington Capitals, social media and online stuff, you can see that and I'll be posting it as well. But um, I really appreciate you having me on, Brian. This has been awesome. I could talk about this stuff forever, as you know. So we'll might have to do part two later at a later date. Yeah, you and me both. And looking forward to meeting you in person if and when we, we can all go down to I guess it's called Capital One Arena. They keep changing it, but I think it's called I know. Capital One Arena. And yep. maybe we'll catch a game and and you know, as they say, rock the red, but uh, <laughs> great to get to know you. I'm on Twitter at Brian Levinson, and you can listen to all these conversations at strongskills.co slash podcast. Haley, great to meet you. Great to know you. And uh, looking forward to having more conversations with you in the future. You too. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for listening to Intentional Performers with Brian Levinson. Here is this week's episode gem. Yes, this is like you are at the Olympics. This is the top like level of what you're going to do, but it's what you've been doing your whole life. You know what I mean? So it's it is it's just another hockey game. Like that's how I had to kind of think of it and it was easy it was like easier for me to just think of it that way than oh like this has to be the best game of my life because I'm playing on the Olympic stage. I think it's like and we were all so comfortable with each other. Like we're pretty much, you know, a family. It's like, we've gone through so much for so long together. Like we're here, like, yes, this is the Olympics, but let's just, you know, this is just another tournament that we're playing in right now. And I think that is, that was a shift like for us that was really important is just like, you know, bringing it back to earth. Like, yeah, we're here, like walking in the opening ceremonies was one of the coolest things ever, but now we're, you know, stepping onto this Olympic ice and it's just like any other ice sheet we've ever played on.